All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're watching Leafs Morning Take with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosen. The show starts now. Home sweet home is right as the Maple Leafs look for their eighth consecutive victory on Tuesday night when they host the Vegas Golden Knights. It's Nick Alberg and Anthony Stewart, the Tuesday edition of Leafs Morning Take presented by Botano. How are we doing, Stewie? I'm doing well on this fine Tuesday morning. Everything's buzzing in Leafland, so all is good on my end. I have to give you a lot of credit uh, because you do keep me grounded when you do your hits uh, on this show where it's like the they're five game increments. You love to talk about that. And uh, certainly this uh, five game little push for the Maple Leafs has been pretty damn good. I can't believe it has been 20 years, man, since they've won seven in a row. It's actually pretty crazy when you think about the star power they've had over the last decade alone. eh? Yeah, but you got to go back to the last three, four years of this Toronto Maple Leafs team. Just when you're ready to write them off and kick dirt over their body, you know, Riley gets suspended. Oh, you know what? If they don't trade for a D, the season's going to be over. They just find a way to claw back to life. But that just has how this team runs. It's very, very hot and cold. They're on a hot streak right now. So I think for them, the main thing is just consistency. But again, what I like about uh, their performances as of late, it's not just one guy. Other guys are stepping up. Other guys are, are you know, turning their seasons around, which is key to a team having success, especially in the playoffs. They're uh, pretty much the undertaker gift. Cause uh, I essentially counted this team out like uh, two weeks ago. No, I didn't, but I mean, I think they still, <laughs> they still have a lot of flaws. I'm curious to get your perspective being a former player in the league. Do you think the brain trust views this team any differently than they did two weeks ago when they weren't on this seven game heater? Like you wouldn't attack the deadline differently now because they've gone on the string. No, I don't, I don't think so. Right. And, and when you, 
look at that when I preach about the five game segments, when you really put that into perspective, that really keeps teams even keel where there's no high too high or low too low. And, you know, when the team is struggling, yeah, if they're struggling for two and a half, three segments or 15 games where they have three wins out of those 15 games, that's when you really push the panic button or really have to reassess where you are as a team. But I think with this group, again, just that consistency, if they put it together and they're playing and they have all four lines rolling, D stepping up, playing as a team, they're a very, very tough team to beat. So um, are they going to be making major moves at the deadline? I don't think so. We'll talk to our good friend, uh, Saravelli in, in, in a couple of minutes here. But uh, I think they need to add some complimentary pieces because the main motor pieces of this group is performing and they're performing at a high level. A hey, great segue, man. Frank Saravelli is coming on in about 25 minutes from now, and we're going to use it as an all-encompassing trade deadline preview for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I can't believe it. You know, it's my favorite time of year. We're 10 days away from the trade deadline. I think it's a, it's a matter of if, not when, when it comes to the Maple Leafs addressing their blue line in a variety of different names. And we'll talk to Frank about some other names outside of Chris Tanev that this team can be involved in. Speaking of which, I know it's a big story, Stu, in the first half of the season. The Leafs couldn't win in regulation. Well, surprise, surprise, that's happening right now to the Boston Bruins. And with joy, I've been hammering that uh, three-way tie bet Every time Boston plays, well, it's hidden six straight and seven of eight. Why isn't this a bigger story when it was uh, the Maple Leaf story, the sky was falling because it's Boston, nobody's talking about it? Well, it's because it's not Toronto, right? Where we're micromanaging and the microscope is shifting and it's magnifying and it's tightening every single game. But uh, I think it's not that big of a story is because Boston, they've gone through dips and peaks and valleys in, in years past and found a way to right the ship. So when you have a team where it's core, it's one Stanley Cups, uh, they have some veteran presence, um, they'll find a way to claw their way out of the hole. So I think the pauses for them, they're still sitting, I believe, top in the conference, the division for sure. Uh, so with that veteran presence, they're going to find a way to turn things around. But again, Toronto, it's the best place to play when you're winning and it's the worst place to play when you're losing. Uh, it, it's, it's just a totally different market. But from a player's perspective, even in Toronto, Toronto, when things are going bad internally, it's not the sky is falling because again, you put things in perspective, you put it in those five game segments, you go month to month, not day to day or shift to shift, and you have a little bit cooler heads and they prevail uh, when you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, it seems like a long, long time ago, Mitch Marner, that infamous quote after that uh, one game where he's like, pressure, we don't feel the pressure at all. It's like, yeah, you do, Mitch, you're playing like you feel the pressure. And uh, Mitch Marner's been a bit of a, di a different tomb the last little while. He has been phenomenal pretty much ever since, uh, I guess, the Nylander extension went down, but he's averaging like two points per game. He's been on fire. In general, do, do you like that? I mean, I know it's pretty early, but to start looking at the postseason potential matchups for the Maple Leafs, do you think they stack up well against the Boston Bruins if that is the first round opponent? I, I think so. They have the firepower. And, and you look at that Colorado game, right, where you had some depth depth guys stepping up. You're having Bertuzzi break his slump and scoring a hat trick. You only had two giveaways the whole entire game. Your power play went two for two. So when you put those little details together, you're going to have success against the top teams in the league. So I think they're starting to understand that. I think the main thing with this last 10-12 uh, game segment is you're seeing a maturation the games of, of some of the players, even though they might not be putting up points. Yeah, I know what you're saying on the Boston front. Um, and I think on the Maple Leafs front too, it just seems like they're finding that consistency once again, right? I think we have you back. Not yet, um, but they're finding that consistency. I think that's been missing with this team throughout the season. And I brought it up even before Morgan Riley got that suspension where it's like, 
you know, I think they have to figure out, uh, out a way to bring it every game. And I think to your point that the one difference for me the last little while has been uh, the fact that every game it's, it's something a bit different. And I think on top of that, it's sort of the way they're collecting points too, where it's like not all about Austin Matthews all the time. Yeah. He's scoring at a crazy pace still. And, you know, Nylander's scoring and Marner's scoring, but to me, it's a depth scoring that's been the bigger story as of late here, Stewie. Yeah, you're looking at our, our good friend Bobby McMahon, where everyone wants to resign him, I think, to an eight year deal at uh, yes. what is it? Four point four. I think uh, the last people were saying, but that's that's the sign of a team coming together, willing to ready to take that next step. So this team, we know, yes, they, they have the big four up front. They have Riley, but to go the distance you need seven eight nine defensemen you need four lines look at some of the heroes of past power of uh, past stanley cup champions those middle six bottom six guys are stepping up scoring that big goal and you're looking at Bertuzzi you know if he didn't have that game he had against Colorado they probably would not lose that not win that game they were almost out of that game by the uh and first period the way Colorado came out so you need unsung heroes you need depth you need your specialty teams being special that's the sign of the team so yes it's a little early to get a little bit too excited but they're trending in the right direction and from a fan perspective I think that's what you want to see Got to feel good about it for sure as they get set to host the Vegas Golden Knights here on Tuesday night at the Leafs Nation 401 where you can subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching right now, pound that like button, pound that subscribe button, really help us out. Least Morning Take, wherever you find your podcasts as well, make sure to leave us a, a five-star review with a comment on how you feel the show is going or who you want to see on the show or just thoughts in general on the Toronto Maple Leafs moving forward. Once again, it's Nick Elberg and Anthony Stewart brought to you by DoorDash. It's time for the appetizer. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off, up to $10 in value and zero delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app, enter code NATION25. That's code NATION25. All in uppercase, 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Offer valid in Canada. Subject to change, terms apply. So many practice notes for Monday for the Maple Leafs who came back from that four-game sweep of their road trip the most important being Joseph Wall being recalled from his AHL conditioning stint. Uh, no update on when he'll be activated. That's the big key here. He's back with the Maple Leafs, but hasn't been activated here, Stewie. When do you think the right time is to bring Joseph Wall in? I've been saying Thursday. I've been saying that since last week. Well, I'm looking at their um, their schedule here. You know, you got Vegas coming up tonight and Arizona, but then you got New York, Boston, Buffalo, yeah. Boston. So maybe if he's not ready for Arizona, maybe that Buffalo game too. But uh, this is the perfect time for him to sort of step in because what you don't want, you don't want to have to have him step in and have the pressure of having to be that number one goalie and, and save the season. This is the perfect time for Sammy to come back. And where's all those naysayers that written him off and said, he cannot play another game in a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform. Those guys now are freaking lining up and, and trying to get whatever he's trying to serve. So it's, it's, it's Toronto baby. But for wall, again, I think the, the, it's great that he can come in, ease himself in. He doesn't have to have that pressure. His first game that he played in the minors, 36 saves. That's a lot of work, especially in the minors. Uh, so I think for him, there's not that pressure to come in and have to save the day, come in, take it a couple games. So for me, I think, Give him two, three weeks to after the deadline to really see where he's at and not necessarily give him the reins because Samsonov's playing some great, great hockey. So I think it's going to go back to that original plan of a 1A, 1B tandem. If you're playing well, maybe you get a couple extra starts. But I think collectively, both goalies have to be good in the long run for this team to have success in the playoffs. 
It just shows you the roller coaster that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think if you just put into perspective what's happened in the first 60 some odd games of the year where it's like so many ups and downs in the crease, man, it went from Samsonov can't stop a beach ball to now one of the better goalies the past couple of weeks. He's nine and two since the recall. The position makes absolutely no sense. And I'm just very curious to see league wide how teams attack that position moving forward. Of course, you have the Aiden Hill story. He's confirmed as a starter here for the Vegas Golden Knights from last year where he just rose to prominence in the second round against Edmonton and then uh, ends up winning a Stanley Cup. And I think from that perspective, teams are looking out for that dynamic because from year to year, the position is just so volatile. You have no clue what to expect. It makes you miss Freddie Anderson, doesn't it? Not Is really. Not? No. <laughs> I think so. Cause the only controversy you had when he was out the door, that was it. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's a tough, tough position. Right. And again, you see why some of these teams that have, they have a star in goaltender, why it costs them seven, eight, nine, $10 million. Some teams, because it's tough to be consistent. It's even more tough consistent uh, to be, uh, a performer in the playoffs. So I, I think the key for them is having that 1A, 1B tandem. I don't feel comfortable with one guy taking the reins. They're going to need a little bit more experience, but I think it's a good problem to have. And let's not forget about Martin Jones, who came in and did some serviceable games. He weathered the storm too. I think if he didn't do what he did, there'd be a lot more um, headlines on what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to do, a lot more panic throughout the league. So that three-headed monster, which I think was the plan all along, and we're going to see what uh, Tree Living is going to do once they activate Wall, if they're going to send um, uh, Jones back down to the minors via waivers, which I don't think he'll pass. It's a good problem to have, not one, not two, three guys that can step in and play some solid hockey. So I think for the way that this roster is constructed, heavily offensive, they have some defensive guys that can step up. I don't think they need spectacular. I don't think they need Cujo coming in, doing the two-pad stack. They just need a guy to make the right saves at the right time. So I think this is going to steal the headlines uh, over the next 10 days. And it's like, what are the Leafs going to do? They have three different goalies. Fuck, we're going to talk about Matt Murray. I don't know where the fuck he came from, but he's in the (laughs) equation now. Like, this is insane to me. But these first three... Are you against running a three-goalie system, say, for the rest of the season? Because I'm not sure where I stand on that. I think there are other needs to address from a salary cap point of view. You're going to pay a guy to sit in your press box the majority of the time. It just doesn't make sense. And I think that would be big-braining the operation. I think the right move, you put Jones on waivers. I mean, nobody's really going to trade for the guy. He gets through, he gets through. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But I, I think at the very least, you slow play this entire situation. They don't have to rush to a decision right now. You, know? you do, right? Because, um, you know, Joseph Wall's coming back from a high ankle sprain. We don't know. You can re aggravate sure. that injury. So I think for them, you, you go with the three goalie system because there's no rush necessary to put somebody on waivers. And if I'm a team that's looking for some depth, I don't know how he passed through waivers at the beginning of the season, but he can show that he can come in and give you 900 hockey. He's not going to give you 910, 920, but 900 is good for a number three uh, goaltender. So I think having that three just takes a little bit of pressure off wall. And remember, before he got hurt, he was playing some great, great hockey, making some big saves, but I don't feel he was 100% over that hump where he actually grabbed that number one, and he's a number one goaltender in the league. He was almost there. So I think just a little bit more time, just ease him in, And again, if he needs a night off, okay, sit in the press box. uh, Jones can back up. I think that non-pressure system is going to be spectacular for him coming in and doing what he needs to do. Manage the workload, essentially, is what you're saying. I just wonder if that's sustainable over a long period of time where you have three different guys, especially knowing what we know about the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't care how many goalies you have. 
you have to have a guy ready to go for game one that you have full and the utmost confidence in. You can't go back and forth. It just doesn't work. Just Say ask that the to Grubauer. Team. Say that to Grubauer. But man, that was like by luck. By that was chance. like five years ago you were going to say. I know you were going to say that. Well, it was. That's not too it long was. ago. No, because I think about the Boston Bruins. I think about last year. They have two number one goaltenders, if you want to call it that. And they couldn't determine who their guy was. And I think it messed with the juju of the team. I just think you have to prolifically have that guy that you're going to be like, he is our guy. We're rolling with him. And that's it. That's all. And I think it just muddies the water when you have like 17 options around the playoffs. I think there's only seven legitimate goalies in the league where you can say this guy is a number one. And I remember being on teams that weren't necessarily the most talented teams. So if you had that competition, it kept you on your toes. It kept you saying, hey, you know what? I got to perform at a high, high level. And for us, it, it equaled a couple more wins where we had, I believe, when I was in Florida, Thomas Vokun and uh, Craig Anderson, where Anderson was pushing Vokun and actually made him a better goaltender, right? Eventually, we had to make a decision on, on who we were going to keep. But when you have those two options, it pushes guys to perform. Yes, there's some guys throughout the league that that competition makes their game go right to shit. But for me... I like that two goalie system because it challenges you. And if you have two capable guys, if one guy falters, you can put another guy in that's going to step up and rise to the occasion. Look, I'll say this again. Uh, the big story with this Leafs team and the Matthews era has been their inability to score that big time goal in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, when they need these guys the most, these guys who make 15 million bucks a year, they can't produce when it matters most in the playoffs. The depth scoring goes dry. Bottom line, they need a goaltender to go on a Bobrovsky-type run where it's like every game you're surrounding one or two goals. That's how you're going to go on a run here because, again, it's just a different game in the playoffs. If they're going in with the expectation they're going to score six goals a night, well, it's going to be a quick, a quick springtime for this team, whether they play Boston, whether they play Florida, Tampa, I don't care who they play, just a different ball game in the spring. So I think they have to have that avenue covered, and I just want the confidence in the goaltending, and I think the way Samson is playing is great, and Joseph Wall. like Joseph Wall in a perfect world starting game one of the playoffs. I know we're far away from that, Stu, but that's the way I'd want to play it. A lot can happen between now sure. and then. And yeah. I'm not, again, I, I, it's tough. Everyone wrote off Samsonov uh, before, right? Where they're saying we don't want to sure. see him in a jersey again. But remember, he's playing for a contract as well, too. So he has a lot riding on this season and performing, right? He went to arbitration last year. The team sort of rid him off. Uh, he's a guy that I believe can step up and go on a run. So if I had to guess... I'd have to say it's going to be Samsonov, but it's it's really too early to tell. That high ankle sprain, and people need to understand, from a goaltender, yeah. you know how painful that is coming back? I had one. It's one of the most painful injuries from your day-to-day -day life. Usually, you know, if you have a broken toe or something like that, you can actually skate and put it in your boot where it doesn't hurt, but that high ankle sprain, when you're walking, when you're sleeping, when you're going for a run, when you're on the bike, you feel it. So it takes some time. So him coupled with that inexperience and dealing with that injury, it's tough. I would not want to put a pressure as an organization on that goaltender saying, hey, you're the heir apparent. You have to we have to ride you to the promised land, win a Stanley Cup. That's how goalies get run out of this town. Too much pressure. So, again, Samsonov is the guy right now. He's proved uh, he can do the job. So until he proves otherwise, I, I say you ride the hot hand and just you find a way to get wool in and you do it slowly. Buds, it brings back memories. I got a high ankle sprain playing beer league hockey like five, six years ago. And I got so fat, man. Like you, you, you can't do anything. Like you literally can't move. You know the pain. You know how it feels. And just the recovery where you think you're good to go, you're really not. And you push it maybe a bit too quickly. And I, again, different with the NHL, the staff's different, obviously, and they've dealt with this earlier on the year with Timothy Lilligren, but I think they better be 1,000% wall included that 
you're coming back and you're not leaving the lineup again, right? Like they have to be very, very careful with this type of injury, I think. Well, that's why I think they're they're taking that approach as he hasn't yeah. been activated yet. Yeah, I'm sure he's yeah. probably ready as he went down to the minors and put up 36 saves. So again, I think for them, it's yeah, we're not going to make sure he's 95. percent We're going to make sure he's 110, 115% ready to go. So you know that's that's great because behind the scenes, I don't think a lot of uh, accolades is given to the training staff and the medical staff that go above and beyond Toronto is probably one of the best in the whole entire national hockey league. I'm sure when he comes back, it's going to be a hundred percent even more. And he'll probably even come back stronger working on some of those exercises off the ice. But from a mental perspective, coming back when I sprained my ankle, I'm like, man, how am I ever going to skate again? That was my first thought. I thought my career was over when it happened. It's just that painful as a hockey player. You're taught to fight through injury. You know, I've, broke got my teeth knocked out i breaking fingers broken fingers and i've come back the same game that high ankle sprain you're just like you can't do anything so from the mental side that's what i most worry about for walt you know what i'm worried about <laughs> sheldon keith walking back comments and that's what happened today producer vic getting in our ear which is great stuff as per usual so yesterday keith comes out and says matt murray is progressing well and he's been seeing live shots so I was wondering, what does that mean? Is Matt Murray around the corner? Well, just short moments ago, he said Murray is a long way away. Klingberg is a longer away, a.k.a. stop asking about these guys. They ain't coming back anytime soon. It's hilarious in this market what happens on a daily basis. Yeah, what's going on with uh, Robidas? What's what's is he is He's he back coming tomorrow. back? <laughs> so that's 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 what we have to live with, right? And again, I'm not complaining. I'm part of the media, but as a player. You know, it's it's almost like they're creating this narrative and this distraction. Are we going to have a controversy? Matt Murray's healthy now. Are they circumventing the camp? Can he come back? What's going on with Lupul? I thought Lupul said he's ready to play. So those are those little things that comes with the the market of being in Toronto. And I'm sure Keith, again, he's trying to be as honest as possible. But he says one little thing. Look how it's blown up, and we have to go and have retractions and all that too. So again. It, if I was the management, I'd find a way to try to keep all this internal and just say next question or say no comment. It's a lot better than now trying to be honest. And then now we have these little mini quips and headlines that are, are causing distractions for the group. It's uh, the salary cap, obviously a big reason why, um, you know, teams trying to finagle what they say through the media. But I think that's hilarious that 24 hours ago, we were talking about potential return for Matt Murray. Now all of a sudden pump the brakes. It reminds me a lot of when Sheldon Keefe, called out the players a couple of times and then came out and apologized for calling out the players. Like, dude, don't do it in the first place. But nevertheless, I digress. Positive, positive feel about this team right now. They've won seven in a row. Uh, got a bit of a Cali Yarncroke update on Monday. Keith said he's making progress, although maybe today he's not making progress. You just never know on a daily basis. But they're targeting a full practice next week for Cali Yarncroke. And we talked about this yesterday. I mean, the depth a much different story than it was, say, two weeks ago for this team, even when Kelly Arncroke went down, where it's like you start to wonder if the lines stay the same, if these guys buzz the way they have been, where does Yarncroke fit in? And it could be in a fourth line look, at least coming back, which is crazy. Yeah, right. You're seeing uh, John Tavares, you know, get dropped down to the three slot. I'm just taking a look at it now. You can't take mm. Bobby McMahon. He's he's earned probably an, a, a good 10, 15 or three segments uh, of, of play. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, uh, Holmberg and Reeves and in and, and camp, you know, those guys have been playing some good hockey. So I, I think for him, yes, he's known as a Swiss Army knife. He's a guy that can slide anywhere between top to, to middle six as, as well, too. Uh, but again, it's, it's a good problem to have when you have service 
serviceable players that can step in and play some good, good hockey. So for him, I think he's just got to wait his turn. I don't think he's going to be sitting for 10, 15 games once he's ready. But if I'm Keith, I'm rolling with the guys that are winning me games that are consistently showing up, playing some good, good hockey. And, you know, where's we were talking about the naysayers for Samsonov. Where's the Reeves naysayers? Remember that? You know, he came back from his injury and he's come in as advertised where he's playing some good physical hockey. He's getting pucks out. He's getting in, getting on the forecheck, and he's quieted down the noise with the physicality from some other teams. we got guys now billing the next heavyweight belt versus him uh, versus the young guy, Rempe, from the Rangers coming up in a week or so. Again, he's done his job. I was at that game against Anaheim. Gudis, he got booed out of the building. He he was ready to come in and start his antics. Reeves came in, shut him up right away. That's why Reeves is here. He's playing some great hockey. He's a part of this group as well. Happy you brought up Reeves. We talked about this yesterday. We did build that fight coming up on Saturday. The expectation, Matt Rempe against Ryan Reeves. If you're Reeves, you, you taking that fight? Are you waiting? Are you playing a little mind games with the kid? Yeah, I, I take it. If I know Revo and and again, I, take it. I I came from the NHL and I was stuck in the minors one year and Revo was making a name for himself and he asked me to fight every single game. I think we played, he was in Peoria. I think we played them nine <laughs> times. I think the ninth game, I finally said, you know what? I'll give you a go. I ended up losing the fight, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but I think for him, I think he'll show that respect to a young up and coming guy. But at the same time, the games that he hasn't fought or he hasn't performed physically. I honestly believe he's probably been shut down by the coach. Hey, we don't want you to be doing anything tonight. Let's stick to playing hockey. Let's not get any uh, war of attrition's going. Let's not get into any physical battles. So again, I think if he gets the green light from the coach, I could see it happening, but just for, because he was a young guy trying to make a name for himself. And this run pay looks like he's coming in like Drago in, in Rocky was it Rocky three playing some, uh, playing some heavy, heavy hockey. Man, that, that kid's a mutant, but he is swinging. And I uh, could only wonder what that fight would look like with Ryan Reeves. But as we brought up, Reeves hasn't fought since game two of the season, man. It, it's so weird to talk about that. But he fought the first two games, hasn't fought since. Uh, kind of rusty, no? Yeah, but when you're the heavyweight champ and there's a lack of heavyweights in the league, sometimes you got to wait, right? Just like uh, yeah. UFC for that title match. Yes, there's UFC, you know, 226, but that heavyweight belt's probably not going to be to UFC 254. So I could see it happening, but who knows? It all depends on the game. It all depends. I'm assuming that Rempe is going to come out and start playing physical, running some sure. guys. Uh, I don't think it's going to be manufactured. I could see it happening just depending on the game. He's, he's past that point where he needs to have those staged yeah. fights. Uh, his physicality and his deterrent is more important to this turn to, to this team. Excuse me. Anything to fire up that Scotiabank Arena crowd, I'm for it, especially on a Saturday night. Wendy's letting you win real food with your fantasy teams this year and daily faceoff. For those of you who smoke the competition, Wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes that will have you winning despite the lack of team-building skills. Download the Wendy's app, score yourself 150 bonus reward points on your first order, and grab a sweet victory from the mouth-watering jaws of defeat along with some fresh, never-frozen beef. Sign up to play daily face-off to win weekly prizes like the spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Some uh, lineup news as we get set to tee up Leafs and Vegas. Timothy Lilligren will not play, so he missed practice yesterday day to day from that injury up in the air going into today. He will not play. So the Leafs will go with six lefties, the worst, um, you know, environment possible. I would say from Mike Babcock, who just hated that lefty righty combo, not having enough of it. But Mark Giordano is going to come back, miss, I believe five games uh, due to the death of his father and our condolences to him and his family. 
Yeah, next man up. And we mentioned earlier in the season, it's going to be, they're going to have to be relying on a lot of guys, right? Timmons might have to come in. He's not in tonight, I don't assume. I think he's probably one of the odd mans out. Is he not, Timmons? I don't even know he's still on the team, man. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's a problem. You need guys stepping in in a regular rotation. Where's Justin Hall? Is he coming back? Yes, I know he's in Detroit, but again, dude, I, he's I a think... health. He's a health bomb every. What a terrible <laughs> signing! Okay. Shocker, but that guy's a health bomb every fucking. Oh my gosh! This is how I know you're a Leafs fan, eh? You're you're, you're tracking bum. all the guys. How about uh, who else? Uh, where's Brooks at? Adam Brooks or? You know, some of these other guys. But anyways, Nowhere. that's neither here nor there. Don't get me started on the guys in L.A. Freddy and Goche. San Jose that are doing well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on to the D. Um, yeah. You know, Giordano, remember when there were some injuries, you know, he came in, played some serviceable minutes. I think his issue is when he gets up into the 19, 20, 21 minute mark, that's sort of when he struggles. If you keep him between 14 and 17 minutes, he's going to give you that first pass. He's going to clear out the front of the net. He's going to throw his big hits here. So he's very, very serviceable. So I think for him, his issues when he steps into a top four, I don't think he's that defenseman uh, anymore. But he is a big, big part of this team. And a lot of it goes into calming down the media, calming down the dressing room, being that quote-unquote father figure on the back end. So I think for him, it's just the utilization of him. So do not come in and think he's going to step up and, and run your power play or, or you know be the number one shot blocker on the penalty kill. Come in, be a complimentary guy on that back end. So I think that's where we're going to the deadline. You need to add another one or two guys because you want him playing within his means, not above his means, because that's when he struggles. And our great friends in the chat highlighting, and I we obviously knew this, but uh, Timmons has mono. He has been out of the lineup for a long period of time. Even before that, he wasn't playing very much. So could only wonder when he's going to return, by the way, because when you have mono, that's something I had maybe 18, 19 years old, and I was in the hospital. Like How'd a rare case. Of- uh, we shared a bottle at a club in Laval, actually, in Quebec. How random yeah. is that? I was seeing Paulie D play, and me, my brother, and my cousin, we – we got a bot. We got bottle service, and we all got mono within a month of each other. It was ludicrous. Ew, ew. Yeah, we all made out. No, I'm kidding. It's just uh, <laughs> people all of a sudden like, oh, it's the kissing disease. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was asking. But anyways, uh, that's neither. It. That's neither here nor there. And <laughs> so I think for this group, it's it's the next man up, right? And and the skull yep. was, the sky was falling when uh, Riley was out of the lineup, but this group has proved it's not just one guy. Yes, Austin Matthews, if he's out, knock on wood, yeah, the skull the sky will be falling, but this is a team. And when one guy is out, it's that next man up mentality, stepping up and performing at a high level. And they've been doing that. And I think that's why this team is a little bit different than in years past. So Sammy's going, uh, Jones is going to back up. So no wall still, uh, the first of five in a row at home ago, uh, as we mentioned on uh, Monday's podcast, they got Vegas, Arizona, the Rangers, Boston, Buffalo Leafs winning seven, three in Vegas last Thursday. They've won seven in a row, 11 of the last 13, 22, five and two against the Westman. I think that's so intriguing. This team plays the Western conference so well. eh? Yeah, I do. I do. I think is because. I'll leave it to maybe the lack of prep from some of the West teams, right? When they're coming in and playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're keying in on the Matthews and the Marners and the Leelanders trying to shut them down. But there's other guys that are stepping up. So it's interesting to see some of the stats or some of these McMahons and the Bertuzzi's and Domi's against, uh, against some of these Western teams. I remember Domi, I believe, having a big game against Dallas when they played, uh, whether it was a couple of weeks ago or so, I'm not too sure. Yeah. But I think it's maybe the lack of preparation. That's why, because they're focusing on these big guys that the this, this tertiary guys are stepping up. Love it. Yeah. Dreaded first game back after a uh, lengthy road trip. Uh, what's that feel like for a player? 
Uh, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. But the good thing is you find little things in uh, the National Hockey League. Guys complain all the time. It's like, oh, what a league, you know, and the guy, it's the best league in the world, but the, the season drags out. So for me, when I was coming back from a long road trip, I'd be excited to sleep in my own bed, sleep in my own bed and go to a local restaurant, have a good pasta. When I was in Florida, we go to Pizza Time, uh, Luongo's family's restaurant, and I'd have a meatball sub. So I, I look forward to that. The meatball slub sub sleeping in my own bed. That would now motivate me to have a good, good game. But it's tough. Guys complain. Guys are sitting there miserable. Oh, what a league. What a league. This league sucks. But it's because it's it's so tough and it drains you mentally and physically. 82 game season. Man, if you're bagging a meatball sub, I'm going right to bed. It's not hockey I'm thinking about. I don't know what motivated you. <laughs> that is the people. best sub in the league. Pizza time. <laughs> Tell them Stewie sent you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah. All right. We'll do that. Uh, the following interview is brought to you by our friends over at Battlegrounds Axe Storing. Unlock the ultimate birthday party team building event. Or have a great date night with your significant other to find a location and book an outing today. Go to battlegrounds.com. That's B-A-T-L grounds.com as you bring in the one and only from Daily Faceoff NHL Insider. It's Frank Saravalli. What's going on, Frank? Hey, dear boys. What's going on? Not too much. Uh, we're just discussing the whole uh, three-headed monster situation in between the pipes. What's your best guess on how this uh, breaks down for the Maple Leafs for the next little while here? Yes. Yeah, speaking of three-headed monster, my head looked ginormous there in that box. Um, <laughs> what, uh, in terms of how this looks for the Maple Leafs moving forward, I think there's a lot of things in flux. I think there's a bunch of different holes to fill. I think there's a general manager in Brad Tree Living that's motivated to fill them. But he's also dealing at the deadline basically with one hand tied behind his back in terms of the available assets to move to fill all those holes at once. Do you try a scattershot approach and try and dink and dunk and uh, you know try and do them one at a time? Is it a bigger package if you're trading that first round pick? I tend to believe, and this is my own personal opinion, that if the Leafs end up trading uh, that first round pick this time around, that the only way that they do that is if they're filling multiple holes at once. 
Okay, so with that said, um, do you see them still being in on a player like Chris Tanev? And would that first rounder be for that player or be that plus plus? <sighs> I I think they're kind of limited on the Tanev market, Stewie. I think when you look at what Tanev should realistically go for, I mean, the Flames are holding out for a first round pick. They're trying to get there. I think they're wondering if the Leafs are one of those teams that will ultimately bite at the end of the day and say, yes, um, I don't know that they will get there where he is with his game at this stage. Um, and also, is he likely to resign in Toronto? And maybe he would since he's from here, but he can't, he's not in the position in his career to take a Mark Giordano type deal, given that he's got some prime earning years left and that he hasn't banked the same kind of coin that Giordano has. And frankly, they're not the same age. Um, so I think that's also part of the consideration as well um, when you consider where the Leafs are at. But um, that's certainly what Calgary is is hoping to do and land. I just don't know what else you'd package up with it in order to make that happen. Frank, uh, you're very tapped in. Is it an accurate assessment if they, uh, things are rather quiet on the trade front around the league? And if so, like why is that the case in your opinion? Well, it's I can't really remember any trade deadline period quite like this one. We're 25 days out from the last trade in the league. I know you keep wow. putting out the tweet. It feels like every night someone make a trade. <laughs> 25 days. I mean, I you know, look back on deadlines past, like we don't typically go more than a week at this time of year without one. And my read on that just from talking to managers around the league is that a lot of them think that this market is really kind of thin. There's only a small handful of difference makers. And then after that, you're talking about beauty being in the eye of the beholder. Is this guy the perfect chemistry fit? Is he the perfect positional fit? Or does he do what we lack? Does he bring something to the table, a different element that our team doesn't have? And so I think that's part of the consideration as well that, you know, always uh, at this time of year, kiss of death, but um, I don't even know anything of today right now that's front burner that would change that scenario. Well, you've alluded to uh, Brad Schleving's uh, approach, um, maybe taking that long-term approach at the deadline. But to these seven games where they've you know shown that they probably can be a contender, is he going to maybe pr- try to speed that up and add a little more? Or he's going to have a long view uh, with this team uh, roster makeup going forward? I do think it answered some questions for me. I, I can't say about Brad Tree Living specifically. I felt like the Morgan Riley suspension was such a pivotal part of this season. This defense core is already thin. I mentioned before that I think they're multiple pieces away on the blue line from really being in that inner circle of contending teams. But the hard part is, you know, are you willing to let this season slip by? when you're getting a 70 plus goal season from Austin Matthews, and he's not even the leading scorer of your team. And you've got all these resources and salary cap space committed to these players at the top of your depth chart that are in the absolute prime of their career. It's a really tough dance right now and, and tightrope for the Leafs to walk. I, I don't personally know what the right answer is. The other part that I think you have to keep in mind is that, um, there's also really no in this year that's been sort of up and down for the Leafs. There's no like tangible playoff success that you can hang your hat on. And after 
different regime, of course, but after going for it and being so aggressive the last few years, can you continue to to push your chips in? Can you continue to spend future assets? And if so, are when you do so, are you effectively cutting off years on the back end of what they've been building towards because you don't have anyone in your pipeline? Well, you, you've got some nice pieces that you're not willing to trade, the Easton Cowans, you know, et cetera. But at some point, you know, you need to restock and replenish. And I think they're asking themselves some pretty significant questions about that amid what I just said with a thin market. Yeah, it's really fascinating to me because, I mean, outside of Tanev, who I think could be a difference maker in the long run, at least in the postseason for this team, I just don't see somebody who would make a lot of sense. Uh, who are some of the other names that have been attached, uh, connected to the Maple Leafs over the last little while? Honestly, I, I think Brad True Living is someone that make calls, makes calls on so many people and so many players around the league that it'd be unfair to attach really any other significant names to this team. Um, and part of the reason for that is, I'm not sure in terms of uh, significant interest, really how much they've had, or I should say authentic interest. It's one thing to call and ask. It's another thing to, you know, put an offer on the table or something like that. And I don't have any other names right now at the top of my list that when you're talking about filling out your bottom six and also attacking your team from a defense perspective, you know, I'm sure they've monitored the Scott Lawton, uh, Sean Walker, Nick Sealer territory, but is that is there something there to pull off in terms of a bigger, larger package? Maybe, but I, you know, short of that, I think that's probably it. I know it's probably way too early to address this, but again, we are in this Toronto market. Uh, what are the long term perspectives uh, for Domi and Bertuzzi uh, with this Leafs roster? Long term, I mean. I'd say from the Domi perspective, probably not much longer than the next number of weeks. Um, I'm a little bit more intrigued about Bertuzzi just because I know this season has been rough at times and certainly hasn't lived up to expectations, but there's still something there. And I think a lot of people have seen those flashes at varying points um, that you know make you a believer. It's just that for whatever reason for this year, it's come in fits and starts. And I think what's interesting about him is that he's going to have a lot of different, you know, things to consider this summer, uh, in moving on. Will it be, you know, what kind of fit will I find somewhere else? What will the dollars and term be like? I mean, he's already playing on a, on a short-term deal. Does, can he get security somewhere else? Or is this a guy that's going to be singing for his paycheck on a night to night basis? Um, I think he's in a really intriguing spot for someone that I think has left a lot of his potential on the table this year. What about Seattle? A lot of people in the chat and producer Vic as well asking about Seattle. Could they make sense? Like what's your expectation from the Kraken standpoint, a big win for them against the Boston Bruins on Monday night, but they obviously have some defensemen that could make sense for the Maple Leafs too. Yeah, I, I don't get the sense that Seattle is really hungry to do much one way or the other in terms of trading off pieces and or um, trying to add. Um, they're a team that, again, um, this season has been up and down. Like I, I think three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I was looking at that team saying, why can't the Kraken be the eighth and final seed in the West? Why can't they be that team that gets the second wild card spot? And yet, 
every time you think that they're going to put it together and put a run together, they kind of have some mitigating circumstance that gets in their way. Um, it kind of feels like last year was a bit of an aberration, a one hit wonder, a lot of players having career years that this year they've come back to earth. And now how do you size that up in terms of the overall uh, game plan and what they're looking for in terms of how they build out this expansion franchise on a five to six, seven year basis. Um, it probably involves a, a steadying influence and steadying eye. And I think Ron Francis has that, um, but I don't see them being a huge player one way or the other. Okay, Frank, uh, good luck on March 8th. Thank you so much for doing this. Have a good one, guys. Take care. That's the one and only uh, Frank Saravalli bringing the heat as per usual here on the podcast. And I just think it's so intriguing from so many levels where it's like, I do truly feel, Stewie, like teams have learned from last year where, you know, I always like to bring up the example of the New York Rangers. They add Tarasenko, they add Patrick Kane and and others. And on paper, they look like a bona fide juggernaut, but then it didn't transfer uh, to reality on ice. And I, I think teams are very hesitant to temper with chemistry. Like that, that's the one thing for me from the least perspective, especially now, man. Like you're so confident, you're playing so well. Do you want to mess with that roster? Do you want to overhaul it? Like, don't forget this time last year, different GM granted. But they made some seismic changes, turning over like one third of the roster. I don't foresee that type of scenario. I think in a perfect world for me, you add one defenseman, maybe two as like a second depth option. The first, I think you need like you need like a Tanev or somebody of that ilk. Like if it's not him, it's it's a guy like Dumba, like somebody like that to sort of help the depth and a guy who's going to play every game. But I, I don't expect too much from this team. Well, when you you see the rosters that sort of been fielded you know the last 10 years where they've really really struggled and before they got Austin Matthews is it was because of what they did with their assets in years before so you have to find a way to manage your assets and if you look at what Toronto's done at the last two deadlines they got rid of a lot of assets mm-hmm. a lot of picks and nothing really to show for it no one re-signed right they had to get rid of the a pick from Marlowe right the Foligno pick and all these other picks you gotta have in the salary cap system, young guys stepping up and contributing. And before Matthew Nyes and Robertson, just go look at the history when the last time a second rounder from the Toronto Maple Leafs played on this roster. It's it's it, It'll blow it. So part of it, yes, you want to win. You want to be competitive. You want to win a Stanley Cup. But you have to have a steady flow of young guys. And if you go look at the farm and, and with the Marlies right now, who's that? Who's that Logan Stankoven? Who's that young guy, Zellweger, that's you're excited for, that's just down there marinating, that's going to step in and be a 10, 12, 15 National Hockey League player? So when that answer is, oh, I got to check check the Carfax and check the notes, that's a big, big issue for long-term stability uh, for this Toronto Maple Leafs team. So I didn't want to ask him, but I was going to say, is Cowan an untouchable? I would say possibly because you need – to be excited about a young guy stepping in and contributing at a high, high level because yes, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, they got to be on a decline eventually within probably, you know, the tail end of these deals. Who's those young guys that are going to step in and carry the torch when these guys slow down and ultimately either leave or aren't the same superstars that they once were. I'll tell you right now, Cowan's an untouchable. Uh, you played in the Ontario Hockey League. In fact, I believe your jersey's in the rafters at the K-Rock Center in Kingston. Is it still the K-Rock Center? Uh, no, it's the, it's the Hush Puppy Center now. Oh, it was the Leon Center too, no? <laughs> yeah, so I can't remember the name. But, but let's do a hypothetical. What If you got a legitimate number one right shot defenseman, uh, <laughs> possibly with some term, or you can, um, if you can uh, re-sign him, would you not make that deal for Cowan? 
I, you know, I've been saying this for months. I said this in November and, and Rosie couldn't believe I was already bringing it up, but like, what else do you have? What else do you have to trade? If you don't have any like draft picks, right? Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it, but I think I'm in win now mode. Like these guys are getting older by the year. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I, again, I'll, I'll do my math. And next time on the show, I'll have that hypothetical defenseman that who I think it should be. But what if it's of the ilk of a, of a Petrangelo? Obviously it's not going to be a Petrangelo. What if it's a Drew Doughty or something like that? I, I, again, I'm not going to get the hot headline going right now, but there are three, four D. What if it's, what if it's a Montour with an extension kicked in for six, seven years at a, at a legitimate uh, uh, cap hit? Like you have to entertain that, right? Because mm-hmm. again, D are so hard to find, I think next to goaltending, but stabilizing that defense. If you can add that right shot, Brody's done some serviceable minutes the last couple of years, but that bonafide number one right shot D can complement Riley. That's what I believe takes you to the next level, as opposed to a prospect that is going to step in and potentially be a star, you know, five, six years from now. Boys soul right saying Erasmus Anderson is the guy I would love. It doesn't sound like Calgary's going to move that guy. I couldn't agree more with you on that front. Um, and I think we'll have a, an abundance of these conversations um, specifically after the season where, yes, we're going to talk about Mitch Marner and should they trade that guy, talk him into waving his no trade and all that. There, there, there's so much content to be had there. But what I was getting at with you in Kingston was Easton Cowan, what he's putting together during this season with the London Knights, storied franchise. You've played in that barn for my money, the best barn in junior hockey. I mean, I, 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 I'm obviously biased. I covered the London Knights when I was at school at Fanshawe College. And just to go to that arena and have 10,000 fans for an OHL game every game is insane to me. I had buddies who played in that team. I was there when John Tavares was a London Knight for like three months. Um, what he's doing, I think, is being glossed over. The fact, if you look at the illustrious history of that organization, he's put together a 26-game point streak. And it hasn't been done by some of the big boys that have gone through that. Pretty damn impressive to me, Stu. Yes, and this is coming from a junior star. I don't think I had 26 games. I think the most games I have is maybe 10. It's so hard to be consistent, yeah. uh, especially when you're the London Knights and everybody gets up to play you. So for him to consistently do that and be in the same conversations and pass the Marners and the Domies and some of these stars that have come through there the last 10, 15 years, he's going to be a special, special player. But at the same time, you know, if this goes south, in four or five years, they're going to be looking as what if they did, if they could make a move to get a, to get a legitimate person that's going to put them over top and cost them a top prospect. Yeah. Teams do that all the time, right? Teams get rid of their top guys that have stepped in and been stars, but the Stanley cup is the number one objective and you have to make sacrifices. It's like Thanos. I sacrificed everything. <laughs> so Atomic you, leaf want that, in- you want those infinity stones? You got, it's going to cost you something. Hey, you got to throw it. somebody over the cliff. Someone's got to go over the cliff. I, I know what you're saying. I get the analogy, but like there isn't a player out there, at least that we know is on the trade market that I would even contemplate trading Easton Cowan. But for. you already have 150 goals in, in three of your D you don't, you already have a top line of forwards for the next five, six, seven years. Right. So yeah. you think about that, right? The only, only a- way I'd consider it if, if they got a, a Soros, yeah. like you see Soros yeah. is a bona fide stud. Number one, net mind. I don't care what people say. I don't care what they say about Joseph wall. If you can get your hands on a guy like that, then Easton Cowan's a guy I would think about. I just don't think it makes any sense right now. If you don't want to trade your first round pick, you're going to trade Easton Cowan. Like, I just don't see a name out there that makes sense where it's like, wow, we got to trade this guy right now. Because if we grab this guy, we're winning the Stanley Cup. I don't have that feel. We just talked to Frank Saravalli. There's a reason there hasn't been a trade consummated of significance in the last 25 days. GMs know there's nobody fucking out there to be traded 
uh, aside from Adam Henrique, who we love on this show. What if it gets you a Brady Shea? Yeah, but why would Carolina trade Brady Shea? Yeah, well, Claude Kanyemi's not necessarily stepping up. A good young guy stepping in that's going to be a 10, 12-year player, right? Is Shea, yeah. Isn't Shea coming up? Let me, again, I'll, I'll check the car slow. You got the names wrong. Slavin? Oh, Slavin. It's Pesci who's coming up. Pesci, okay, my bad. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. One of those three. How about that? But again, the fact that I can't name the three of them, that's probably. probably not a big enough name to get the deal done. Trust me. Well, yes, exactly no. it. But um, I, I'm very curious on the Pesci front. Like, I... I think it goes without saying the Leafs are going to look to rejig their blue line this summer. Um, I just think it's a tough ask right now. And I, I I think you add that one guy and you go from there. I just don't think I have the expectation that they're going to do something monumental, uh, nor should they. I mean, we talked about last year. They got some pretty big fucking pieces. And uh, yeah, they went around. But after that, same old story. So if you can get some saves in the playoffs, you can get some offense at the right time. I think you're cooking. And I think you're big braining the operation if you have to say, Hey, let's look at this trade deadline. Yeah, it's good for theater and entertainment and all that. But at the end of the day, when's the deadline winner, the team that we all picked at the deadline to win the Stanley Cup actually won the cup? It just never happens. All about those depth additions, man. Yeah, it is. And and you look at this year, how many legitimate contenders, you know, are there? There's there's a lot. There are a lot of contenders. I think the most in, in any year in recent memories, the Dallas's, the Carolinas, Vegas, right? Vancouver. Florida, Boston, Toronto. So mm-hmm. I, I think in years past, yeah, you don't necessarily make those moves to help put you over the top. But again, I think you have a 50% success rate where if you hit on one of those guys that can come in and do the job, I'm, I'm willing to risk the farm if you have any assets on there to make it happen. But again, it's just going to be tough because it's going to come down to health. It's going to come down to specialty teams. There's so many factors that it takes to win the Stanley cup. It's even broader now because there's so many teams that are contenders. If I'm tree living, I have no, I would not blame him if he says, you know what, we're going to take a long scope view of this and not necessarily go all in completely in this year. Cause it's going to be tough. It's going to be lucky. Whoever wins it this year is going to be extremely lucky. It seems very wide open too. And our, our, our fans and our folks in our chat are always dialed in. They're right. Brady Shea UFA after this year, Brett Pesci is a UFA after this year both with modified no-trade clauses. Anthony D'Angelo's a UFA, Jalen Chatfield. I just don't see Carolina as a good trade partner because they're going for it. They have so much depth in the blue line. I don't know right now why you'd want to give that up, and I don't think the Leafs have uh, any guys that Carolina would want to add up front. Uh, but the Botano wrap-up, Stewie, is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. Major announcement, Botano is the official partner of Copa America 2024 Taking the beautiful game to new heights in the Americas, join Botano on their journey of passion, unity, and unforgettable football moments. So it's the Leafs and the Golden Knights. I think the first 10 minutes, uh, Stu, are going to be huge. Uh, The Golden Knights are going to be amped. They're going to play this game like it's a Stanley Cup again. They got dummied by the Leafs, and they got pride over there, don't they? They do. How are you? Can you hear me all right here on my microphone, microphone? Yeah, I think it's a big, big game right now. And again, it's funny. I I stay close to my social media, and I watch it. And uh, there might be some jealousy that uh, Bertuzzi was getting all of the love last uh, game, scoring all those goals. So... I'm predicting a big, big night for Austin Matthews. Am I going to say he's going to get a hat trick and get to 55 and be on pace for 80? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, again, I'm not a betting guy. But if I was, I'm taking any time goal for Austin Matthews. That's a fact. I love it. That's exactly what I was going to go to. I think the Leafs take care of business again. I think if you want to extract a bit more juice, Leafs in regulation. Again, seven in a row, looking to make it eight in a row here against Vegas. Thank you so much for your time today, Stewie. Thanks a lot. It's always great being with you, buddy. You know that. 
The best. Uh, that's Anthony Stewart at the Leafs Nation 401, where you can subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to hammer that subscribe button, that like button. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. Just search Leafs Morning Take. will pop up. A five-star review would be fantastic. Uh, many thanks to producer Vic and, of course, today's guest in Frank Saravalli. Uh, Rosie will be back in the mix on Wednesday. We'll recap this one. Look ahead to the uh, four other games on this homestand, including Thursday's outing against Arizona. Talk on Wednesday. Take care.